0: This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share,
1: contact us at anxietycanada.com slash our anxiety stories.
0: Hi, this is John Bacon. You are listening to Our Anxiety Stories. Today, I'm talking with Sitlali Gonzalez, who is with the CMHA Bounce Back Youth Advisory Committee. Hi, Sitlali. How are you?
1: Hi, John. I'm doing very well. How about you?
0: I'm doing fine. Thanks very much. Thanks for asking. Uh, Off the top of my interview, I always uh, hit up the name of the show, and it's our anxiety story. So um, let
1: me know what your anxiety story is. Um. So I don't know how long usually people kind of go off of, but um i've honestly i've had I've dealt with anxiety for like as long as I can remember. Yeah um <laughs> my mom she has this anecdote of when i she was still like pregnant with me, and um she was watching a movie she was in a in a movie theater. And there was like this big explosion and she said that her belly like jumped. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, I've um, never,
0: I've never heard of that. I've never heard of <laughs> that kind of reaction, like, a, you know, prenatal reaction. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's honestly been like kind of a part of me and, and kind of un- unfortunately, but at the same time, it's, uh it's taught me to. I guess, eventually listen to my, you know, to what my body is saying. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, uh, it wasn't too much of a, of a problem until I started getting into like my teenage years, uh, you know. Yeah, when so, so
0: like, so let, yeah, let's just go into that. So before, did, so you didn't really feel anything, you know, kind of for when you're growing up, up until you kind of hit middle school-ish, is that kind of where it yeah. worked, happened?
1: definitely i would say right about uh grade 7 mm-hmm. grade 7 grade 8 or end of grade 7 beginning of grade 8 was when it uh, i realized that it was it was kind of um worsening but i didn't know what it was at the time i just thought it was like a you know there's so many things that are going on you just don't really not really paying attention or at least i wasn't really paying attention to that experience. I I don't know if,
0: I don't know if anybody at that age and those ages, there's so much going on with your body and so much going on socially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a crazy time.
1: Yeah, for sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. And it's like, you go back and you think you're like, oh, that was probably anxiety.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I discuss it with a lot of people and we talk about how anxiety does manifest itself in so many different ways. Um are there any you know looking back on that time are there any ways that you any any sort of symptoms that you can target that that you realize now were anxiety?
1: Uh definitely I mean I so something about me um I grew up in Mexico City so um I came here quite young at almost 11 so um my for example some people point out that I don't have an accent and I'm like, that's cause like I tried to hide it. <laughs> right. Like, I hated when people pointed it out and it made me self-conscious and now it's like, I'm not blaming, you know, anyone who pointed it out. I'm sure no one meant any harm by it, but I just, I grew so self-conscious of it and eventually developed like anxiety over, you know, being like cast out and like, and that was before like how many, um, the first like mm-hmm. there's there's nothing wrong with your accent but you know it was just like whenever it would slip out like my accent would slip out I would just like ooh, like try to hide it very quickly so that's like it I don't know I feel like I really repressed that part of me for a long time so now it's uh for me it's like trying to reconnect with that part of me that's so integral um that was yeah, something well, for example well, that just... I did a lot
0: I was just wondering, so when you, what, how old were you when you moved from Mexico to Canada?
1: Yeah, um, I was about uh, almost 11. So like two months before my 11th birthday.
0: Yeah, that's a difficult time. Yeah, right. And moving from really one extreme to the other, of course, you know, in in middle school and through all those ages and in any peer group, I, I think just about any age, we want to assimilate to some extent. Uh, to feel a part of it, but it sounds like you made quite a few sort of sacrifices, uh, you know, of your culture, culture and heritage while doing that.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. That was kind of messed up that I I think about it, but um, it's, uh, it's been a a process and it still is, you know?
0: Well, it's, uh, I mean, of course it would seem, you know, messed up, but you know, the, you know, these were all new things that were happening, you were kind of making stuff up as you went. And you, I, I think you you were probably, you know, upon reflection doing what you had to do sort of for that kind of survival.
1: It, exactly. That's what yeah. I was literally thinking about the other day. I'm like, maybe, you know, maybe that was very useful to me at some point, but now I need to kind of, I need to kind of reclaim that part of me and just, just go with it because there is no way of like denying it. I, mm-hmm. It's just a part of me. Yeah. And, um, And that was useful to me back then, perhaps I, you know, I did really well fitting in and almost even almost like kind of slipped through the cracks. I feel like John, there were moments where I was just like, does, does anyone know what it's like right now? Like, does anyone know what I'm going through right now? And like, in terms of like school and like how I was adjusting, because like I was speaking fine. You know, I, I had Mm -hmm. a neighbor um, who lived like two houses down Um, at our last house. And, uh, and she and I, we spent this whole My really improved. So that was the first year I moved in. And, um, and so I was speaking fine. And so I I looked fine. I seemed fine. And maybe I was doing mostly. I noticed that, you know, it was just easy for me to be to go kind of unnoticed because I seemed fine.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and then so at what point did you sort of, did it start clicking that what you were experiencing might not have been what everybody else was experiencing? And then what kind of actions did you take uh, to to kind of get on a, on a, you know, sort of a better path?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it took me about two years from like grade seven, So grade 10 was when I, I realized uh, that maybe what I was going through wasn't, um, you know, there were things that should be addressed. Um so that was when, so grade from grade ten up to grade twelve, was when I kind of, um, for example, I sought out therapy, um, and I talked about my mental health, how I was doing, um, and then. But it wasn't until grade twelve, I would say, that I really kind of became a mental health advocate, and that was with the CMHA. Um, that was when I realized like uh, how much it meant to me. Um, and how much, how common it is, but how uh, it's just not, it's something that's not, or I didn't hear it being spoken about a lot when I was going through school.
0: For um, sure. Well, well tell, tell me a little bit how, so you got involved with CMHA, Canadian Mental Health Association?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. You got
0: involved with them, at sort of uh, for, with them helping you. Is that how it worked?
1: Um,
0: Initially? Or... initially
1: it was with the uh the bounce back youth advisory committee as well and that was in so I was into um the first cohort um I think that was like a a pilot cohort so it was like the the first uh in twenty eighteen and then I joined back again uh in twenty twenty nineteen um, right. but yeah it uh it honestly i felt the first time because it was i didn't realize how um I myself was going through uh, you could probably say some depression in grade twelve mm-hmm. um, i didn't realize how how much of an opportunity I had, so mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of bring back um, something to the table once again in the in the second youth advisory committee. You know like i didn't realize mm-hmm. how um, how much of a space there was to to be myself, to use my voice. And so I really tried to, um, to do that in the second committee.
0: Yeah. So describe kind of the, like the, what, what would happen when you talk about the, the, the committee, that the, the committee is that way, what, what does it, what does it look like? What does it look like what you do?
1: Um, so initially, uh, our plan, because this, this youth advisory committee is uh, kind of a dual role. So you're doing a peer educator role and a youth advisor role, um, mm. So basically, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we had planned to go out into our own communities, into um, libraries, schools, classrooms, and um, kind of have a discussion, host discussions around uh, what bounce back is, uh, um, talk about what mental health literacy looks like, mm-hmm. and you know what the difference between like a mental illness is and a Um, and mental health is and things like that and we actually had a a very um, like a two-day kind of event in Vancouver um, Mm -hmm. where we were kind of um, trained to to go out and those who couldn't make it uh, had the option to have a like a virtual training but um, so that was the plan Um, but then that changed of course because then we couldn't have in-person gatherings So then uh, what was really cool was that we got to kind of um, got to open up the possibilities to delivering these online uh, discussions or just share uh, in a public post, whether it's in our personal social media um, accounts to share about uh, what Bounce Back is and what that means to us. So that was Mm -hmm. really meaningful. Uh, Now I chose to write two blogs. Um, The first one is of in the works it needs to be edited and the second one um, was kind of in the works as well. Um, I really like to put in time to my to my writing and I don't like to, um, not that I was rushed or anything, but like I just really like to put thought into it. But yeah it just gave me like the space to use my voice and I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, well, it's incredibly powerful. I'm wondering, you know, I, when I talk to people who who experienced anxiety, uh, you know, in those school years, but then also sort of started advocacy even in in school. You know, um, what was that transition like? Did your peers, did your friends know that you had anxiety issues? Um, were they, you know, did they understand it? And how, what was the response when you decided to kind of open up and get into advocacy?
1: Um, so I've always been kind of a reserved person with that, actually. So um, I think only like my closest friends know. Now, I was in a three-year program throughout in high school, which also greatly influenced like my my um, my decision to study psychology in university. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a three-year human services program. Um, so it was intensive, I would say in training. So we would have these like off timetable Saturday training sessions on topics like uh, nonviolent communication, um, human rights or human rights awareness. So that was huge. Um, And I think everyone, everyone kind of um, knew each other and knew because this is the same cohort that's, uh, so it's like a great grade 10, 11 and 12 cohort, but you get to stick with your own cohort for the three years, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think ev- everyone kind of knew knew me and then I knew everyone in a way, but um, it wasn't like my closest um, peer group, but my closest friends, um, they knew that I had anxiety. And so when I, um, I think I've just opened up slowly and they just uh, they just kind of realized that this is just like an important thing to me uh, mm-hmm. some of them know that I advocate with or I sorry I volunteer with the CMHA mm-hmm. um, and that they know that this is important to me yeah yeah
0: that's I, I, fabulous I mean just that people I, I think you know it's starting to snowball and you know of course the COVID thing has brought in a lot of anxiety out and people who aren't really used to dealing with anxiety at all. I think it is, it is, I mean, you know, if you want to look at a benefit to the COVID-19 thing, it's that, that transparency is kind of increasing with a lot of people and they're willing to admit it. Um, And I'm just quickly, I'm curious about you, like on your personal path, um, do you, did you have any particular sort of tools that were more beneficial for you when you're dealing with your own anxiety?
1: Um, I think one of the biggest things uh, and s- simple, I guess, but nonetheless, not easy sometimes is to just talk about it, um, preferably in a safe space though. I find that um, sometimes youth will speak up, but sometimes they're not in a safe space. And this not this is just, this um, almost stig- helps stigmatize, um, you know, talking about anxiety Mm-hmm. Um, and mental health issues because they don't feel safe and they might feel judged. So I feel like it's really important to have those spaces to have those conversations. For example, um, I try to as much as possible talk to, like a mental health professional,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: a counselor. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, Me too. I have uh, several resources to use, um, or at least um, to reach out to. Um, well, that's one of the things. Um, the next, I guess, is um, just—I guess—I write. Writing has become like, a really important part of do now. So I used to—I used to think that I was like a very poor writer, and I'm like, i, I don't know how to tell a story. But it's like everyone does. Everyone yeah, has a yeah. story. So yeah. that's been incredibly empowering. Um, yeah, really I,
0: writing. Writing. I mean, I write too, um, <laughs> and I find it really—I uh, find it really therapeutic definitely
1: yeah. yeah yeah and and also
0: you know that w- when you talk about just talking about it being being good or helping with the condition i agree completely like i've been to a lot of psychologists i've been to psychiatrists and you know with with good effects but um i got into a cognitive behavioral therapy sort mm-hmm. of group and we meet uh once a month and there's really no substitute for that and like you say um, finding and having that safe, safe place and then establishing that sort of level of trust with people. It's really empowering and it really helps, helps you feel better.
1: Yeah I, uh, yeah, I can certainly speak to that as well. Mm. Um, I don't have experience myself with therapy groups, actually mm. just one, but it was also, I think it was DBT though. Mm. Um, but yes, I have, I have been into groups and but mostly one on one counseling. And that is a part of it. And that's the thing. It's like not everyone feels comfortable with going to a counselor. And that's, I, I realize that's a difficult thing for some people. Well, I
0: think it's, I think it's a stigma too. And, uh, I think, you know, it makes people think they're broken. Um, where it's for some reason, if they break their leg, they don't feel like they're broken. Um, and they feel fine going to a doctor or to the emergency room for that. But yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you that one-on-one counseling, um, when I talk to people who are hesitant to go, I tell them that we're just incredibly lucky, in this country that you know that we can go to psychiatrists and have it paid for that there's a lot of community services out there for one-on-one therapy that can really help and uh and that it's kind of you know I, it's kind of a strong word but it's a luxury to have this in place where we live
1: yeah this is um in in you know with with um the pandemic because we couldn't have well before i guess in the early months into 2020 we couldn't have Face to face counseling, I know that limited a lot of people. But um, telehealth is a thing now, so mm-hmm. you don't even have to go to the doctor's appointment. You just have to log into your own computer, and you can see your doctor. Yeah. So certainly that comes with privilege, though. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Comes um, it comes with it. comes
0: with with the system that we are yeah. in here in Canada. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think still the idea is, and I think you know what you do. I think I, I've always thought that. Uh, the best place to start addressing anxiety, well, basically from age zero. Uh, you know, I've, I've, my kids are now, you know, 15 and 18, and and we've always had an open discussion with them about mental health. Like that's because it's it's something that's affected me, and so it's something that I've always had an open discussion with. So I think it's really important from a young age to start just talking to the kids, so there's no weird, awkward chat about it. You know, in the future, and so they understand like you experienced, but they they kind of Will know immediately what they're experiencing and can start addressing it.
1: Yeah, certainly. It mm-hmm. um, it's not like you know I'm I'm um, kind of romanticizing uh, you know oh having lived through in, uh, you know, and not had had like perhaps I'm I'm not assuming anything but having like a role model or someone who's older than you who has experience with this kind of thing can make a big difference. Um, and I think it's it 's important the work you do with even your kids uh talking about it to them just normalizes it and get and they can feel comfortable to go with to go with um a professional but also you mm-hmm. um to reach out to you and um especially at that age where like i don 't know it's i guess it 's more common for for them to want to figure out things on their own and yeah yeah um But yeah, I, my mom, for example, she's, um, she's always been, she's been like a rock to me this whole time and she has experience with anxiety herself, but she didn't have anyone when she was growing up to talk about this. In fact, I don't think she knew she had anxiety until she, um, was pregnant with my sister. Um, so that was like 10 years after, after I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, so.
0: it's amazing the people that I talk to there's so many people <laughs> whose mom is the hero like whose mom, my mom's the same Yeah, my mom, I, I can safely say saved my life and I'm yeah. not exaggerating yeah. on a couple of occasions and, um, and yeah, that's important and I would like to, I, I would take this opportunity to, if there's dads listening do the same um, because there's also uh, I've talked to some men through my interviews and there's also Another stigma attached to males and mental health, and that's something that I think we always have to work on too
1: yeah, certainly. Um, there's that whole kind of um, how 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 men are perceived when they, when they express vulnerability that's a yeah. whole other thing
0: Well, there's lots of facets it's a, it's a really uh, broad and complicated uh, issue, but you know thank goodness there's people like you out there doing this what so what's what does the future hold for you in terms of you know how you how you work with mental health and people with mental health
1: um you know i'm not totally sure i initially wanted to um when i started studying psychology i initially wanted to be a counselor i think that it's still appealing to me but now uh I'm not sure it's like there's so many things to do Mm -hmm. um there's research there's there's a lot of things so i don't um i'm not totally sure if i'm Mm -hmm. honest but i'll i'll keep doing this for example i'll keep um advocating in any way that i can and things like the the bounce back youth advisory committee that's been a huge um kind of door that's opened and now i have um i have a network of people who i know and i've worked with and um and i'll just figure it out, I guess, kind of along the way, but yeah. I think it'll be like a lifetime thing i don't um i don't
0: it certainly is that uh, you yeah. know dealing with anxiety um, and and all that kind of it certainly is a um yeah it's it's a lifetime for me it's a lifetime experience, but um, you learned a lot earlier than I did um, that opening up and advocating and being transparent about what you're going through is a big part of the healing process and of understanding as a part of you, but it doesn't define you.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And especially when you've dealt with it. Well, I personally have dealt with it so long that it's like, it's almost hard to think of myself without anxiety. So that's like a big part of it too. Is well, I I, I, I'm sorry.
0: I, sorry. I often ask the question, um, you know, if you had that, if you had the time machine and you could go back <laughs> and not have anxiety uh, would you do it um, or would you kind of, or do you, do you see it now as being, you know, you seem like you're on a good path. Do you see it now as that it's been, that it's been beneficial in many ways that you help other, like how how would you feel about that question?
1: I don't know. I think I've have thought about it, but <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a tough one because it's a lot of pain. Is, There's a lot of pain.
1: It is certainly. Yeah. It's, it's very tempting, but, um, yeah. but it's yeah. like, this is my experience. Like, Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that ex- other, ex- you know, experience, alternate experience would be like. So why even, um, you know, it's like, it's sure. Maybe it's entertaining to um, think of it, but I have no idea what that would be like. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, cause it, it's just so, it's uh, such a complicated questions. Like there's, um, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. it's, it's not only just me, my life. It's like, well maybe who knows my i my mother passed it down for me and you know my grandmother yeah. passed it down to her and so yeah. it, it becomes like um this this thing and and um i don't know i don't think i would honestly yeah
0: yeah i, I i'm kind of the same i i my answer is similar i don't i don't really know but i i kind of think that um you know getting to when I opened up, uh, you know, and became transparent with my uh, mental health issues, uh, I sure met a lot of people and have made a lot of incredible connections and and through Anxiety Canada, I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of incredible people like you. Um, so the, the, just, to let, just to let people know, the webpage here, or the website is bouncebackbc.ca uh, if yeah. people want to get connected with that program. Um, so Lally, I... I, I'm constantly uh, really in awe of the people I talk to and uh, youth who are helping youth with mental health. Uh, it's an incredible thing you're doing, and I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate that you took the t- time to talk to me today.
1: Well, thank you so much, John. Um, it's it's a, It was a privilege to be here, and um, I... I am proud every time to, to talk to people about this and to have these conversations and that kind of keep me keep me going. It sounds very cheesy, but I'm like, I feel it, it, it can be isolating sometimes to, yeah. to, to speak about this and to know from personal experience what it's like. But it just reminds me that like, I'm not the only one. For so. sure.
0: And people listening, you're not the only one. And yeah, uh, we, we keep saying it until it doesn't sound cheesy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Until it becomes something normal. Thanks a lot. And I really appreciate you talking to us. Um, have a great day and we'll chat soon.
1: Okay. Thank you, John. You Take have care. a great day as well.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening to Our
0: Anxiety Stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.